What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam here, joined with our resident Giant fan, Brandon. A little bit of a different episode today. Weird schedule this week with the Giants on Thursday. Uh, Brandon and I are going to preview the the 49ers-Giants game on Thursday night, as well as talk about the Giants' triumphant comeback against the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday. And then later in the episode, Matt and I will go around the league and talk some news and notes from the entire week two slate. But as I mentioned before, join with Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing great, Sam. Thanks for having me back on the show. Of course, anytime and uh, a big week for the New York Giants. Um, let's let's start with a little bit of our week two recap. And just a little bit of an aside for the listeners. Brandon and I have gone back and forth uh, throughout the whole I guess even leading up to the season through week two now about the uh, how do I put this um, the the direction of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. I'm on the, the the team of they would prefer to lose games. Brandon uh, is on the I'll let you present your side of this, but let's talk about the Cardinals place so we could kind of set the stage here for this week two matchup. Um. No, listen, the Cardinals are not a team that you should be playing that kind of game against. And I think that the fact that the Giants did says a lot about their team and kind of where they are through two weeks of the season. Um, The Cardinals, the players and the coaches want to win. The front office wants them to lose. So they took all their talent away and traded it away and have a bunch of backups playing. So I think the front office wants them to lose, but I think the players and coaches want to win. Yeah, kind of was half joking about the the whole you know uh the organizational uh direction for the cardinals but yes yeah, so i i think at the end of the day you are you are correct uh, you know my my whole stance is no, you know, when you play the, it is it is funny when you play the cardinals you know it, it's you said it perfectly actually they've taken their talent away so they're you know they're the players are not put in the best position to win these games uh week in and week out and That'll lead us to now what we found on week two with the Giants and the Cardinals. The Giants come out and have, uh, I don't even know, you know, based on what they did week one against the Cowboys, I can't even say it was their, they looked the worst so far this year because it's kind of hard to beat what they how they looked against the Cowboys. But, man, Brandon, that first half against the Cardinals was really, really ugly. Um, yeah, really, really ugly. I can't imagine there are many teams in NFL history that went six uh, six straight quarters to start a season without scoring a single point. Um, but leave it to the Giants to do it. But, no, I just feel like they came out un- uninspired. They probably felt they came out, even though they lost 40 nothing the last week, they probably came out thinking about the Cardinals, how everyone else thinks about the Cardinals, that you might not have to put your best foot forward. You might not have to play your A. A game, but it's the NFL, and if the Arizona Cardinals come out hot and they're having a lot of energy, and it's their first home game of the year, so they're a little more jacked up, it, it, it can it can swing a game the way that we saw in the first half, and the Giants fall behind twenty nothing, and I can only imagine what was said in that locker room. But it was really the energy. It looked like the guys weren't getting off the ball fast. Looked like receivers were not getting open. Um, I think it was just a. Uh, I, I really think it was just being flat and, and having no energy and also, which is inexcusable because of what happened last week. Yeah. And so I guess that leads me to my first question. There was a school of giant fans and 
who were kind of putting this on on Brian Dable for when I say this, I'm talking about the, the Cowboys performance week one. And, you know, kind of like how maybe Dable didn't have them ready per se or. Uh, you know, there were even quotes that said that Dable kind of runs the offs or the training camp like a was it a country club? I don't know if you saw those quotes, but um, d- do you put any of that on Dable in sort of like are you kind of reprimanding his preparation of this team being that, you know, this is two weeks now that the Giants have come out really flat to start games? Yeah, no, listen, I think when it comes down to it, my stance on the, la- the game last week was you have to blame the coaching, but you all. Also have to blame the players because the players are the ones out there playing. But clearly, they weren't fully prepared for what Dallas could throw at them. I also think Dallas is really just uh, multiple tiers above the Giants. But um, yes, no, I just think I, I, I it's blame to go around the entire way. I think something's going on right now with the like the coaching staff not getting them amped up for games because now we're seeing two straight games where you're not starting fast, especially against a team like Arizona coming off a forty point loss. It shouldn't be that hard to, like, have a lot of energy early on in the game. But, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to stay quiet on Dable. Oh, man, he changed the organization last season, and I'm not going to give up in any way, shape, or form now. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. My stance going into this game was, you know, this is, a like you said, getting after getting 40-balled by the, the Cowboys and embarrassed in your opener. Uh, you kind of you, you kind of almost had to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder at least. And, you know, you want to kind of take it out in a way on, on a team like the Cardinals. And my stance was, you know, I didn't want to see them just beat the Cardinals. I wanted to see them kind of, you know, really assert themselves as, you know, we're not in the bottom of the league. We're more close to the, you know, upper middle, or I'd say the Giants would probably comfortably yep. be seen. Um, but, you know, all right. So the, the first half goes the way it does. And and then. Obviously, the second half is is what many Giant fans thought they would see for since the, the first snap of the season. It, it you know, like you said, it took them three halves of football to find it. But boy, that second half, they definitely found it. Um, one of the big things I saw all over Twitter was that it was pretty evident that Dayball was calling plays in the second half and not and not Mike Kafka, the offense coordinator. So that's something to watch going forward. Who is calling plays? Um, I think Dayball. I don't know what was said in that locker room. I think they came out and scored on, th- I think it was three plays, touchdown first play out of the half was deep shot to Hyatt, then a run for three yards, and then Daniel Jones' 20-yard touchdown run. Um, but then the defense gave up a touchdown. And yeah, I was, sitting, I was sitting there thinking to myself, wow, maybe that was just like the juice and now it's already dead because the defense literally can't get a stop against the worst quarterback in the NFL. Um, maybe the worst quarterback in the NFL. But – all in all, the Giants found something. They started moving the ball. They played with a lot more energy. The offensive line played amazing in the second half, created a lot of running lanes for Saquon, gave Daniel Jones a lot of time in the pocket to throw. Hyatt had another big catch later in the game as they were marching yep. down to tie the game. Um, I think Hyatt, I think at this point, like we're past the, we're playing guys like Campbell and Hodgkins over him just because, like, oh, he's a rookie. Like, no, he's clearly one of your best three or four playmakers on the field. He needs to be playing a lot more than he's been playing these last two weeks. And I want to say that I hope Dave Ball sees that and does that because he can't just be a gadget guy. Hyatt's not a gadget guy. Hyatt looks like he can be a guy who's demanding a target share. So, um, listen, they pulled out a 31-28 win. Defense got three straight stops or four straight stops to end the game. Uh, I guess you have to 
hang your hat on the second half and say that it's going to be better. But I don't know. I'm very skeptical on this Giants team. I think when we talked last time, I said their, their floor was eight wins just because I felt like the coaching staff would always put them in a good position to win. Yeah. Um, they've probably uh, – Shot, they probably shot my take a little bit there, but I would say we're more like a seven to nine win team. I think I wrote six to eight in our group chat, but I'm going to change it to seven to nine because I'm feeling a little optimistic right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in kind of taking things. You know, you can if you you're you get blown out in the first half, and even if the Giants, let's say, you know, for argument's sake, let's say they lost this game twenty eight to twenty seven, but the second half they scored twenty seven unanswered points something like that like I'm a big believer in carrying that over into the next game especially when you have a short week like the Giants do on Thursday we'll get into that in a minute but back to Hyatt you know you mentioned him and just thinking about it from an X's and O's standpoint you have a guy like Hyatt who what he's like a 4-2-40 guy he could, you know he could he blazes down the field he if he's on the field not only do you have to commit kind of some attention to him over the top of the safety but if you have to do that as a defensive coordinator that's one less guy that's going to be in the box for a Daniel Jones Saquon run. And I thought that once they kind of showed that Hyatt, showed the Hyatt card, I'll say to the Cardinals, they kind of had to really realize that, you know, this guy's going to beat us over the top if we don't have coverage over the top. And I think that opened up some things in the second half there. Like you said, Daniel Jones comes out 14 yard run, Barkley one yard run short pass to Barkley for a touchdown. I mean, I thought they leaned on Barkley and Jones' legs a lot to open up the rest of the offense. And I really think that that could be, if Hyatt's going to be on the field, I think it's going to benefit the other factors as well. Uh, agree or disagree? Oh, 100% agree. Also, a lot of, a lot that happened in the second half after that Hyatt bomb was Waller got going over the middle, had yep. like three or four 10-plus yard catches for first yep. downs. Um, like you said, Saquon Barkley, although – I will say Saquon was um, outside the drop uh, catch that turned into a pick six or no, not a pick six, just an interception. Um, he played amazing. He broke so many tackles. He played like himself, even through the injury at the end of the game. Um, I know. I think he's going to be out a couple weeks, which doesn't help us. Going well, well, tough. well, let me, let me stop you there. Very interesting kind of wordage, uh, wordage, verbiage, whatever that word is. Um, Verbiage. From the Giants today, verbiage. There we go. Mixed up the, the two. Um, the they kind of were declining to rule him out, and they said, I think the the quote exactly from Daybol was he feels a lot better today. And you know, I don't know how much you want to read into kind of you know looking at apps and stuff, but they didn't rule him out. He's not he, okay. I think he's technically like questionable. Um, but uh, we're I, playing I, on I Thursday think, night. Yeah, that's the thing. I think. If it was a Sunday game, I think I'd give him a more realistic chance to play. And right. I think for the Giants, you know, they got to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, we're going, we're, we're going to be playing probably the the hottest team, if not the best team in football right now. Yeah. You know, looking at the lines, they're 10 and a half point dogs. Last time I checked, maybe it might be best to try and, you know, let, let, let Barkley, you know, take a breather this week, make sure that he's a hundred percent the next time he gets on the field. Uh, that would just be my 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 stance on this yeah. Thursday night game. Let's I I, I want to stop getting ahead of ourselves here. Let's let's stick to again this second half here, and I guess we could go right to Barkley. The Barkley injury, if he is out, will definitely hurt. Now, if you want to assume that he's out, who do you think uh, is it? Brita is he the guy that's gonna that's gonna carry the load? Are they gonna lean more on Daniel Jones's legs, or are they gonna just 
kind of get rid of the pass game as a whole and kind of look to attack with guys like Hyatt and with guys like Waller. What do you what do you think? Let's just assume Barkley's out. How does this offense function? Um, I think Breida would be the guy, quote unquote, but you're going to see Brightwell. You're going to see Eric Gray. Um, and they're going to have to open it up. They're going to have to, they're probably going to have to use the pass to set up the run because they're definitely not going to be able to block them um, well enough up front. I think quick passes, the screen game, taking shots early, trying to soften up the secondary, that de- that defense where if they are vulnerable anywhere, it is their secondary. The, the 49ers is probably the weakest part of their uh, defense. So the offensive line is going to have to play better. Um, tough task this week on a short Very. week on a short week, which isn't great. Um, great linebackers the Niners have. So I think the offense, offensively, you just have to, we have to spread them out and hopefully our guys win on one-on-one. Yeah. And you're, you're right. And I think that you're going to see a lot of, a lot of Hyatt over the top. You know, I think they're going to try and again, assuming, assuming Barkley's out. And I guess, we'll this will, this will kind of leak into the Thursday night preview. Um, but there, I think you're going to see a lot of shots taken. I think it's going to benefit guys, obviously, like Hyatt, who's going to take the defense over the top. But like you said, if the Giants can find that success early, they take a shot, it's successful, make the 49ers have to worry about that, get Daniel Jones rolling. I want to see Daniel Jones. You know, I like him as a, as a runner. He's not the most agile guy as far as, like, you know, making a guy miss and is, is you know, going to put a nice move on someone. But if you get Daniel Jones, you know, rolling out of the pocket and – I'm a big believer in kind of, you know, sprint out offense, especially when you're you're kind of failing to have a run game. Get your quarterback moving. Make it simplify the game. Get the game to a half field. Not necessarily have to make Daniel Jones a sitting duck in the pocket and, you know, wait for, for them to attack you and then you react. Get your guys moving first as part of the plan and then see what how the defense reacts. You know, get him rolling out to the right. Does some designed runs. I don't even hate, you know, go get your four yards on a Daniel Jones quarterback draw on, on the first play of the game. Why not? Right. Uh, you know, with without Barkley, I think they're going to have to really get creative here. Uh, even even putting a guy like Hyatt in, you know, in the backfield, give him a sweep uh, or a Paris Campbell. Or I think we're going to see some some trickery here on, on offense from the Giants. But um, yeah, again, I, I'll say that. But I I think this is probably. It, the toughest task any team will have, if not like uh, the toughest task, uh, one of the toughest tasks all season, uh, short week against the 49ers, but most likely without your best offensive weapon, uh, that's a that's an ask and a half. So I, if I'm a Giant fan, my expectations are really low for this Thursday night game. Yeah, the goal is to get out of the game with no injuries. Um, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. No, but in reality, like I, I, um, you know what they say about the Thursday night games? Usually, the team it, it, they end up being sloppy. They end up being like ugly because the guys are tired. They just played four days ago. Um, it, it usually comes down to talent, and they have a lot of it. Um, I guess if the Giants were going to win this game, the keys would be to get pressure on Purdy and force him into bad decisions. But our defensive line has been so atrociously bad we have zero sacks through two games Kayvon Thibodeau looks like he has taken zero steps forward um and honestly Kayvon Thibodeau we talk about him because he went fifth overall so like we talk about him like a guy who should end up becoming like a 10 10 plus stack guy Hutchinson who went ahead of him had nine and a half last year 
Um, you saw glimpses of it at the end of last season. Um, that everyone likes to talk about the play where he had the strip sack against the commanders that kind of won the game. But outside of that, I can't really name any other moments that Kayvon Thibodeau's had in his career that have looked good. I've been like elite, like, oh my God type plays. He doesn't move at the same speed as like the other elite guys like Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, um, the Watts. Like he doesn't move like them. He isn't kind of built like them. So I'm not sure like what his ceiling truly is. Um, a lot of our season was riding on him becoming a guy, a real guy, and Evan Neal becoming a real guy. And neither of them have lived up through two games to that. Let's let's get a sack on the board. Dexter Lawrence, where are you where are you? Leonard Williams, where are you? Um, yeah, where are a lot of these guys? You're right. They it, they haven't made any noise, and now you're going to have to ask them to go against the. I don't want to say the best offense in football, but probably the most what efficient up? offense in football. What definitely one of the best, but the, definitely I think in my opinion the most efficient. They'll you know they'll hit you with the Ayuk. Debo and then obviously Christian McCaffrey. This is they're playing again short week already, like you said, struggling defensive line, and they're gonna have to go against Christian McCaffrey. Man, that's tough. That's really tough. I, I can foresee people in our circles and group chats loving Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown for sure on Thursday night. Um, I think they said it was minus 320. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's nuts, but uh, all right, so. Give me, I kind of highlighted, you know, I said a little bit of trickery. You mentioned that the, uh, that the defense definitely we need to step up. I asked this even in, in the biggest of blowouts, potential situations. Tell me your, the Giants path to victory in this game. What, what do we come back here on Friday and say, wow, the Giants, the Giants really, this really helped the Giants and made them win the game. Oh my God. I can't like, it's, it's crazy to think like, I can't even like, it really has to be the defensive line. I think the defense has to play well because at the end of our day, at the end of the day, we're going to be missing our best offensive player and our offense isn't going to score a lot of points more than likely. So we're going to probably need a defensive score, multiple turn takeaways, and we're going to have to put a lot of game pressure on them to make, to make plays and execute in the fourth quarter. So yeah, I would have to say it have to be defensive takeaways and probably a defensive score, maybe a special teams touchdown. Like, your offense isn't going to be there, so you're going to have to win it defensively and on special teams. Yeah, and and you know what? Like we like we said about the Cardinals, I'll just add to it. I, I feel you'll definitely agree. You got to come out and play this game. Like you can't go down, you can't go down fourteen nothing to this team. You can't. You it will be if the Giants go down seven nothing to this team. You know if the Giants get the ball, don't score in the first possession. 49ers march down the field and score. The game might be over right there. Right, you can't play from behind to this team. You know, especially like you said, potentially without Saquon Barkley and the way this defense has played, you know, you got to Giants have to come out and I'm not a I'm not a you know proponent of, you know, taking someone's heads off. But you got to play with some fire, right? Like if you have your chance to hit someone, you let them know that, you know, we're we're here to play a game. We're not here to to just get rolled over on. You know, you got to you got to I, I always say it's the it's almost like the fight or flight thing. But you got to you got to punch first, even if you're. Even if you're your significant underdog like the Giants are, punch first, right? Attack first. Let them know that you're there. Um, well, that's, so the, I, that, that, that's the goal when you're an underdog. Set the yeah. tone for the game. Put some fear in the, the guy who's 10.5-point favorite. Yeah, and, but like, you, like we just kind of outlined, that's prob- that might be the biggest issue that the Giants have had so far. They've come Correct. out like they haven't, they haven't even showed up until the second half. Of they showed up for one half of four this season. 
literally. So yeah, literally I mean, one out of four halves. Yeah. So uh, crazy. Uh, you know, again, I think that if the Giants fall to one and two, you know, they they lost the. If we look back on it, you know, they probably lost to the two best teams in the NFC right now. If if they lose to the Forty Niners, um, which you know is is expected, but I think. I think let me say this, and I guess this will be my my I guess my last kind of statement on this game. I think the way that this game ends, like or the way that this game goes, will be much more uh, a factor or like something that we're going to look into more so than the result. Like I mean, like the if the Giants lose and it's and they lose twenty one to eighteen, we're going to say, wow, you know, no Barkley short week against the best team, the NFC, the giants might've really found something on the Cardinals in the second half against the Cardinals. They're just not better than the 49ers. I think that could be a positive to take out of the game. But again, if they come out and like I said, if they, if they, if it's 21, nothing at half against the 49ers, we're going to, there's going to be some serious questions. Like you said, guys like Dable got the whole, the entire defense, the defensive line, you know, how much, how much is is Barkley really needed if this offense struggles mightily without him? You know, there's this this is a this is a huge game, but I don't necessarily think the result is is going to be the the reason why we're going to be why Giant fans are going to be up in arms if it goes the wrong way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It matters more about how you lose or not if you lose. Yeah, exactly. Because I think you know, again, ten and a half point dogs. A lot of people are gonna are gonna be all over the the 49ers just and I'm sure people might use even the 49ers in, in their survivor pools just just cause right I mean like they're they're gonna think this is this is probably the safest bet this week get it out of the way Thursday can sit down and not worry about my survivor pool on on Sunday Monday night I feel like people might might actually use this game um so you know we, we kind of spoke about this game I guess the way I'll close it out is two questions uh. One, give me a, a betting lean on the on the line, and then give me a, a final your final score prediction. Uh, let's just assume no Barkley. Um, it's ten and a half. I don't think Barkley moves the line anymore. Maybe he'll let, maybe he gets to eleven. I bet you people will probably be stupidly betting the Giants down because low total plus high spread, which me, normally means you take the. Um, the underdog to cover, but yep. I don't know how many points the Giants are going to score, and I can tell you for a certainty that the Forty Nine ers are going to put up points. So yeah. I would assume I would I'm, I would I really would never take a minus ten and a half, but I would have to lean that way because I don't know if the Giants can really compete with a team at the level of of, of the Forty Nine ers. Yeah, um, and like, could you see them losing? You know, could this be a just throwing out numbers, right? Could this be a, a 13 point game? And could we say that, yep, you know, we, we predicted that and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't bat an eye at it and they would cover. That's how I kind of look at things sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I would think I'm thinking more like a 28 to 10 is what I'm thinking. Okay. I, my, like my guess, uh, that's, that's one of my safe guesses. I think I guessed that for the Jets game, uh, the Jets Cowboys game, I guess last week, 27, 10, it ended up. I ended up hitting a field goal late. It, I think it was thirty to ten, or was thirty one ten or thirty to ten. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I always go. I'm a twenty seven ten guy. But I'll give the Giants some slack here. I think that I think that they're they're going to be pulling out pulling out the tricks. I'm going to say I'll give them. I'll give it like a thirty four seventeen game. How about that? All right. So you're giving them a little more offense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit more. You know, because I just think. 
I think they might be in a point in this game where they're just going to have to start taking shots. And I think the Giants have, they definitely have the, again, guys like Hyatt, a Hyatt touchdown would be really awesome this week to see. Um, just see a guy like that, like you said, step up when, when he's, he's, you know, he's shown good progress and he's shown that he can be a weapon. You know, let's, let's see it on a, on a regular target share and a regular snap share. Um, but that's my prediction. I think I probably lean. I'll probably lean the 49ers giving the ten and a half as well. But uh, yeah, t- tough spot for the Giants. Uh, Brandon, thank you very much. Appreciate you, Sam. All right, so always great having Brandon on. Uh, great conversation there about the Giants. Welcoming in McFeely now. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? Hey, what's going on? So so I, I kind of I missed that uh, talk you had with Brandon, but you kind of told me that it was pretty intricate when it came to the Giants. I just kind of want to know what was his general feeling on the Giants. Does he, does he seem like someone uh, still hopeful, or uh, was he kind of beating himself up over last week? Well, he, he, he's kind of in a, it's a, it's a tough place to be a giant fan sort of thing where, you know, you're, it would have been an uphill battle with or without Barkley going into this 49ers game. And then, you know, you're happy you come out with that game with a win. Um, His concerns are really more so, uh, you know, he's not out on day bowl. He's kind of leaving a a blank slate per se, but um, he, it's a little concerning that this is now two weeks in a row where, uh, you know, this, they played three, three of the four halves, the Giants might have might as well have not been on the field was kind of the synopsis that we we came in agreement to. So, uh, I don't know. Did you have anything other than that on the yeah. Giants you wanted I, to add well, to? I mean, I, I don't know how you could feel good uh, after that game last week where, what was it, 20 nothing at half, and then, you know, you go down and score a touchdown, and then in the third quarter, you know, Arizona answers back, scores again, it's 28-7. That was probably the worst you felt throughout the entire game. Um, not only was it imperative that uh, the offense picked up and do what they did last week just because you had to have that game, you obviously couldn't be looking 0-3 in the face uh, with San Francisco coming up here. But I think even more important than that, you know, going into this game in San Francisco, which I think right now it looks like it's about a 10-point line, um, and I think that's fair, you, you're going into this game without Saquon Barkley, which I, you know I'm sure you guys were all over. But, I mean, Daniel Jones has to know that, you know, his touchdown-to-interception ratio, his record, all of these things suffer uh, when Saquon Barkley's not on the field. But that's just why I think it was so important uh, that he did what he did last week. Because, you know, if you're going to build on something, let it be the second half of last week, and I can handle this, and let's go. So this is going to be a really tough game in San Francisco. Uh, without Saquon Barkley, I think Matt Breida will be backing up and – Obviously, you don't ask anyone on the Giants to do, you know, the, just the sheer volume that they ask of Saquon, um, you know, it's second to none. So that's a big piece to be missing. I, I just think I look for you to be competitive, and I, I just don't want it to look like the Dallas game. So, you know, if you're going to tell me this, the line's about 10, how about you lose by 10 and not 25? That that would be my, my two cents on the Giants. But, I mean, a, a huge comeback. I don't care who it was against. I mean, you're down 28 to 7 in the third quarter. You know, games are hard to win in the National Football League. So the Giants kind of, you know, they, they got back to form a little bit and just made sure they got to 500 before a huge game in San Francisco. 
And I guess if I had to make a pick on it, give me San Francisco, I think, you know, the Saquon loss is huge. And we've seen the Giants look formidable for, you know, a quarter and a half out of the eight they've played. So I just look for them to be competitive. Um, You know, if you're going to lose by 10, lose by 10. Yeah, and I I like what you said there about, you know, uh, if you're a Giant fan, the silver lining is you kind of have to look at this and say, all right, maybe the first three halves of football that you played this year were just kind of, you know, getting your feet wet. And then maybe you found something in in the fourth quarter and I guess it's the back end of the third quarter against the Cardinals. And, you know, like you said, short week, maybe the Giants feel, you know, confident in what they found maybe there on offense and maybe they can carry that into uh, this 49ers game, but uh, definitely an uphill battle there. Um, enough on the Giants. Let's get to talking about this this Jet game that went on. The Jets fall to the Cowboys uh, to much, a very little surprise of no one. Uh, lack of offense. Defense, again, looks not not the – they said, they, what was it, the 85 Bears or whatever. They uh, – maybe the 58 Bears could have hung better than this, but this was um, – I'm I'm kind of at a not a loss of words, but this is this is not the Jet team that we envisioned. Like even I think Zach Wilson could have played great and they could have lost this game. I think Aaron Rodgers could have played great and they would have lost this game. My concerns on the defense. Uh, what do you think about this Jets performance? Well, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, you say like, you know, this wasn't the team we were hoping for. This is last year's team. This is, mm-hmm. this is almost a carbon copy of last year's team. Plus a couple big names. Um, no, I mean, I, I never thought they would hang with Dallas, but I, I don't really know how to go in and dissect the defense. I mean, like I said, it's the same thing as last year. We're going to have these conversations where we go, well, you know, I mean, Defense was on the field all day. The Jets couldn't muster up, you know, a first down or two. So I think that's the kind of of football they're going to be playing this year. It's going to look a lot like last year. And a lot of times you're not going to know where to point the finger just because the Jets can't neutralize as a football team. I don't even want to continue to kill Zach Wilson because we went over it last week. You know, this feels different now. He's kind of, you know, instead of being like the savior, he's now a guy who just got thrown to the wolves. And do I think he looks any different from last year after these five weeks with Aaron Rodgers or so? No, I don't. But I'm not even going to put this on him. I just think if this offense can't generate first downs, hold on to the football, try to control field position a little bit, you know, a team like Dallas with, you know, I think far and away the best defense in the league, uh, that's just kind of how those games are going to go. So I didn't really give the Jets a chance going in. Um, as for the defense, I kind of want to let them off the hook because, I mean, listen, they out of the last, you know, what, 18 to 20 games this unit has played together, they've looked sharp for all but, you know, two or three. So I don't want to I don't want to get on the jet defense at all here. It was just it was just disappointing to just be like, oh, we're back to square one and uh, we can't get a first down. Yeah, exactly like last year. You know, that's that is definitely the I feel like the sentiment among all Jet fans. But I think maybe I have a little bit more concerns on the defensive side uh, than it sounds like you do. You know, to me, it looks like, you know, I don't want to get into really the nitty gritty of any sort of in-depth stats or anything, but it almost looks like teams are are okay. And we've heard Salah say this about uh, on his little interviews on the, whether it be the K show or just wherever he, in his press conferences or whatever, 
the the Jets are keeping sauce on a side, right? And you know, they can say that they have all the the confidence in the other guys to kind of hold up their end of the bargain. But if teams are going to have multiple weapons and they're going to just be totally fine with just throwing and running offense away from Sauce Gardner, I think that the Jets defense might have a little bit of a problem there because you know, it's when we had the the Revis years and it was Revis was just following the best man. That that's not really happening. That's not really how the modern NFL works now. It's a lot of zone. It's a lot of schemes. You really very rarely will see guys follow people around. And uh, Sauce wasn't following CD around. If CD was on his side, he'd cover him sure. And I think Sauce tweeted out or posted an Instagram picture of saying that anyone he uh, they threw on him only had like four catches for like twenty yards or whatever it was. But to me, my problem more so with the Jets defense is. Yes, they they it's a lot of bend don't break. You know, they they they'll let the teams get down to about field goal range. And if you look at the, the third and fourth quarter, when the Jets defense was, you know, quote unquote playing well, Cowboys 21 yard field goal, 55 yard field goal, 26, 30 yard field goal. That's their scoring in the second half. Sauce Gardner dropped a, a clear walk in, could have crawled in pick six. Um, which I think definitely would have changed the game. I believe that was in, what, the third quarter, was it? Or was that the second? Um, whenever it was, would have changed the game. But but I think that's just another sentiment of, you know, we say that the offense can't make any mistakes, right? But to me, it's the same tone on the defense. This defense can't make mistakes either because they're they're all playing on eggshells because if they let up a long touchdown when they need to stop, the game's over. Right. Or if they drop a pick six when their offense is struggling, the game's over. And I I think it's really tough to operate like that. And I don't want to put that on Salah. I don't I don't want to put that on Douglas because the the roster is is great. I mean, it's just a tough place to be. And agree or disagree, both sides of the ball are playing with their backs against the wall on every snap. Oh, agree. And you're totally right. I mean, just the pressure that the defense faces on a series to series basis is uh, is pretty crazy, especially when, you know, the Jets go into Dallas and with the way the game started, you never really felt like the, the Jets were in it anyway. Uh, it was just kind of all Dallas uh, right from the jump. And then, you know, at that point, Dallas has a lot of field to play with. They're playing relaxed. You know, they're throwing for first downs. You're not really, you're not forcing Dallas to to make any plays or just, we got to move the chains here. This is a tight game. You're kind of just letting them take reps on you, uh, kind of like the Giants did. So, you know, I, I think it's usually a pretty well-coached group defensively. I don't want to get up in arms over one game, especially because, I mean, when you look at what they just did to the Giants last week, you know, going to this game without Aaron Rodgers, we might look at Dallas in five or six weeks and say, yeah, that, that loss doesn't really look so bad anymore. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to overreact to this game. I'm more excited to talk to you on Friday because I think with this Patriots game coming up, I have a lot to say. With this one, I think after you you pull out a miraculous win uh, against Buffalo, I, I think you just kind of – you just got to live with this one. It was a tough game that you never really were in. Yeah, and I think there's the, – the other side of this to look at is, like I, like I kind of said to start, they might have lost this game even if Aaron Rodgers was 100% healthy and playing. So if you're if you're an optimistic Jet fan, I'm again I'm kind of on the fence. But if you're really an optimistic Jet fan, I think that's the way you kind of you you wrap your mind around this game. Um, my problem, and I guess a deeper problem, sticking with the offensive side of the ball, 
How does Brees Hall have four carries? How does that guy look? You can say what you want about his rehab. And again, I hope he's not injured and I hope he's not, you know, I hope he didn't suffer any setback right now. They need to kind of re ease him back into, uh, I guess, game form. But when just think about it without names, you don't have to worry about what Zach Wilson is or who he is, but you have your backup quarterback going into Dallas who just trounced the giants. um, And Brees Hall gets four carries. I'm the biggest. I'm. I feel like I'm on here every week talking about this team, that team, uh, losing the run. I, I said it about the Vikings. Vikings just constantly, as soon as they feel like they're playing for a, the slightest bit from behind, they forget totally about the run. It's non-existent. I don't believe in that. When you go down seven nothing, what's worse than having a as a defense, right? Let's say the Cowboys go up seven nothing. What's worse than having to your defense go on defense and have a have to be on the field for, you know, a, an eight minute, 10 minute drive where they just run, 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 run three yards, four yards, short pass out to, to the tight end. I think the offense needs to run primarily through these two running backs. And I felt like they they really abandoned that early. And I think it was really bad coaching and really bad game planning by the Jets offense to to not. Have you know you watch Brees Hall absolutely tear up the Bills week one on very limited carries? Uh, you, again, if you want to tell me he's hurt, fine. But if he's not hurt, no reason this guy is not shouldn't be getting you know twenty touches a game. I don't care about Dalvin Cook right now. Let him get in on those third downs and those passing situations. Sure, Brees Hall should get the ball first and second down until you need to pass. In my opinion. Yeah, and I, you know, just watching the game, I kind of figured this was some sort of a rehab management for Brees Hall too. But, you know, after the game, you see Brees Hall tweeting about the lack of carries, and it was nothing malicious. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to harp on that too much. I think he just kind of used some emojis. I think it was four footballs or something like that. Uh, Robert Sala was asked about the usage of Brees Hall. He said, uh, you know, shoot, I'm frustrated. Uh, I'm frustrated because we didn't get him the ball because we weren't on the field and he was on the bench. It's hard to give the guy the ball when he's on the bench. He's on the bench because we couldn't get off the field on defense. And, you know, I I sort of get that. I think that's kind of uh, Robert Sala just trying to be a responsible head coach and not put too much on the offense right now, you know, with everything they're, they're going through. But I still right now look at that game. And, I, again, I, I'm not saying the defense gets off scot-free here. But I still look at that game and just the entire complexion of what the game became. And I still think that I blame the offense more for the lopsided score. And, you know, Salah seemed to say the opposite. Yeah, and we'll get into, again, we're not going to get into any sort of preview right now. The only reason this this episode is like this is because the Giants are playing on a short week on Thursday night. Uh, we'll have another preview pod out uh, later this week, probably either Friday evening or Saturday morning, that'll be out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, look again, looking forward real quick, they, this offense needs to, I think they need to take more shots too. I, I just think everything on this offense did this week needs to be thrown out the window and not done again, other than the one little slam play that Garrett Wilson, just who is just leaps and bounds, the best offensive player on this team. Uh, it, he is, other than that, there was nothing that happened. Absolutely nothing. You look across the board, you know, no one, no one puts up any stats. If you, if you take out that, what was it, a sixty something, sixty four yard, uh, sixty eight yard pass to Garrett Wilson? I mean, 
these numbers look gross. Zach Wilson barely would have hit over 100 yards passing. No, wouldn't have a touchdown, three interceptions. Zach Wilson, the leading rusher, you definitely don't want that. I mean, five for 50 for Conklin. I like that they're getting him involved. But other than that, two catches for Lazard, one catch for Miko Hardman, who kind of has been non-existent. And, you know, you figure that, all right, they're down to the Cowboys. They're going to need to get some passing down uh, work for these running backs. One catch for Dalvin Cook for five yards. One catch for Michael Carter for three yards. There was nothing in this game, literally nothing on offense. So give me something is kind of what I'm saying, you know, going forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when it comes to Zach Wilson, I get it. This is a, you know, this is a big, scary Dallas defense. But can't you, can't you just not turn it over three times? Can't we just move the ball a little bit, just, just in a limited fashion, just move the ball somewhat efficiently? I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen the Gardner Minshews do it. I think we saw Davis Mills do it. I think they they lost to Dallas, what, 27 to 23? I get teams change. The big threats are still the big threats, and Zach Wilson is still Zach Wilson, unfortunately. And it's gonna, yeah. I, I, and again, I, I don't want this whole thing to come down on Zach Wilson week after week after week, even if it's his fault. I, I'm just, I'm too exhausted for it after 17 weeks of it last year. But no, you just don't want to see that again. And I think this Jets Patriots preview is going to be, it's going to be electric because it's it's just so huge. Yeah, def- definitely a huge game this week. Um, we'll get into that in a bit. Let's let's talk about now a little bit more about our picks and I guess around the league. Well, actually, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Last thing I just want to say about this game, I think the Cowboys are really, really good, really good. I don't, I mean, if Dak Prescott is is going 31 of 38 for 215, two touchdowns without throwing an interception. You know, if he's putting up the, this this uh, 112 uh, quarterback rating, he, or passer rating, sorry, this Cowboys team is going to be r- real deal contender. Yeah. Dak um, Prescott just, is the only one who has potential to to bring that team down, to ruin anything for that team. Or if he yeah. reverts back to, you know, turnover Dak of last year, I think that's the only thing that could really slow down Dallas and uh, what they've they've started to do in early season so far. Yeah. Again, yeah, they're 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 impressive and, and kind of embarrassing for New York sports. They've outscored new the the Jets and the Giants 70 to 10 in the first two games. 70 to 10, not even they, they, they should be the Jets and Giants should be relegated based on that stat alone. Um, but let's talk about our picks because uh, you had a good week. I had a talk about your picks. I'll get into my picks first. Chargers minus two and a half was your one point play. Yeah. And I, I mean, the Chargers really kind of let me down there. Um, that was my favorite pick on the board. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The Chargers just, they don't win tight games. They just, they don't close games at all. Um, loved my underdog pick for three points there. I had the Ravens money line over Cincinnati. Just no based sweat. on the thought that I I still don't think, uh, and I said this on the pod, that I, I just didn't believe Joe Burrow was healthy. And, you know, now he looks uh, super questionable going into this week. So, I mean, you wish the best for Joe Burrow. Um, in an AFC conference that we just talked up, I mean, Cincinnati and the Chargers both off to an zero and two start. It's just, it's, it's strange. Yeah, but uh, but I think uh, when we, you know, again, getting back to the AFC, they we we were talking about those teams, but we we kind of overlooked the Ravens. I feel like a little bit there. I think the Ravens are really good. I thought that was a really good pick by you. I said it at the time. 
Um, I think as long as Lamar Jackson is healthy, they even lost Odell in this game. And I think it was like in the first half and didn't, they didn't blink for a second. Um, So I I really think the Ravens are good. I I think that that was a great pick by you. Um, And then looking, looking at mine, this is a scenario where I'd pick them both again. Falcons win by one point. I take them minus one and a half a burn. And you know, to be honest, they, they, I thought they were going to lose that game at around like halftime or so. Yeah, I was actually really locked in because, again, I like the Falcons. I think they're a good team. But uh, the the Packers score 14 in the in the third quarter. Then the Falcons rally back for 13 in the fourth to win the game. Uh, again, I, I would take them again. Uh, I think when, you know, my own personal betting, I believe I took them on the money line. So it didn't really burn me there. But again, for the, the sake of the show, took them giving the points and got burned on the hook. And then the Jaguars, they were in that game to the end. The read was there. The spot was there. If you watch that game, the uh, blanking the name, Trevor Lawrence, excuse me. Trevor Lawrence missed a wide open touchdown. Uh, one of the worst throws I've seen so far this year. It was, it was, it looked like a preseason, you know, fourth quarter, terrible throw. I don't even know who the receiver was, but I saw that and I just knew it was done from there. Um, but again, I, they were in there to the very end. They hung around with the chiefs at home. I would have taken the, the Jaguars again. I would have. Yeah, no, I, I think you had the read. Does that, does that, uh, bring you any closer to going back onto the, uh, T law hate wagon? That throw alone got me really pissed. He's, he, you know, he, I don't want to say hate wagon, but he's reaching like Kirk cousins territory where he's just going to be one of those guys that. Even if I if I like the team, if I'm on the fence about you know taking the Jaguars one week, I'm just not going to do it because of you know just him. I do the same thing with the Vikings, where if yeah. I'm on the fence about the Vikings, I'll always think of the back of my mind. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Obviously, Kirk Cousins has been playing very well this year, but there's always I feel like it's it's just like one of those guys. I'm sure you have your your couple of handful of guys that you're just like, oh, I hate betting with these guys. He he's approaching that list, um, but. Perhaps the best the best pickers of the entire podcast. Well, does this does this? I, I just want to make sure we're all squared away here. Two weeks into the season, yeah. this would put me up on you six yes. to three. You would have. Well, you didn't get the points for the Chargers. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Sorry. Points wise, yes, it would be six to three. Correct. Beautiful. Six to three. Yeah. So you're up six to three. Got to make up some ground somewhere, but. Uh, you know, they don't call me the sniff king for nothing. I'll get I'll get some sniffs. Definitely gonna have an under underdog pick this week. I, I think I have a juicy one. It's brewing though, loading. I, Wait for no, it. I, I know that you, you don't like to I, I, if you were gonna pick this, I don't wanna ruin it, but I know that you're not big on taking the locals in the pool. Is the Jets not like the juiciest underdog pick ever this week? And I'm not even gonna touch them. Well, all right. I, I'm gonna full disclosure here. I don't hate the Jets as an underdog pick this week. I think the the real kind of like it very, very enticing one. And again, I'm not going to take it. I think the Giants are an enticing one. And, I'll, and let me say this. I didn't even bring this up with Kurtzman. But, you know, thinking about our, our conversation, uh, you know, it, I think there's definitely something to be said about like these weird, fluky Thursday short week games. And then you throw in the fact that the Giants are going to have to run something, a totally different looking offense with no with no Barkley. If the Giants were to were to win this game on like a fluke, weird, like 
bad 49ers performance. And then, you know, Daniel Jones has a great game with his arm and kind of, and kind of shows that, you know, not necessarily they don't need Barkley, but they can run offense without him. And they, they, they win this game. I think it's an interesting spot there for the giants. That's all I'm going to say. They might get blown out very much so, but I think, these Thursday games, man, they're very fluky, and I think there's a lot of little fluky things with this Giants team that they might mess around and win this game. They might. You know so I think, I think that's the interesting one. I think that's extremely sharp, and I urge you to take it. I, I will not be taking it. There's there's other there's more uh, more sniffs on the board this week for sure. I I would put the Jets above that, but just wanted to throw that out there that I'm I was. It crossed my mind. The Giants taking the Giants on this episode today, early in the week, put it out on the table. Definitely crossed my mind, but I'm going to veer away from it. Um, real quick, though, let's get to some of these other games around the league. Uh, just you know, one or two quick sentences on each. Uh, Buccaneers beat the Bears 27-17. Baker Mayfield 2-0. They look good. Yeah, kind of like the Rams. I think, uh, you know, everyone thought the, the sky was falling with the Bucs and Brady was gone and time to rebuild. Thank God we got that ring. And hey, they're they're two and zero, and and they beat a couple uh, a couple good teams. Yeah, well, the Bears have your thoughts on that. I know you've been as a Justin Fields fantasy owner. You've had your thoughts on that. Uh, they're in a world of shit. If you watch some of the some of the clips that you see uh, from Justin Fields, don't look good. Uh, the slowed down, you know, him reading or not reading the defense does not look good there. So uh, he's not an Anthony's, NFL quarterback. And yeah, like I said, they're, right they're now, trying to like make it. him do thing, not the thing that makes him effective. Can you just yeah. let him play football the way he knows how to play it? I mean, it looks brutal. Like you even sent me that that one clip of him just. I mean, there's three guys wide open just in in quick spacing routes, and he's just staring at them until pressure comes. Like I, I think he just doesn't know what to do when there's a receiver open. He's just he's dying to use his legs, but yet he's not this year yet. It's just confusing. And I just think based on the history of uh, Bears quarterbacks, uh, I'm down to just blame the Bears. Yeah, it was uh, – it remained to be seen what happens there. But, yeah, definitely a bad performance there. Uh, We went over the Jets. We went over the Giants. Uh, Our guest pick this week, no sweat, Bills over the Raiders 38-10. to I even was all over this. I should have taken this as well. I knew the Bills were just going to absolutely bludgeon whatever team they played this week. Uh, they after that the way they lost week one, I knew they were going to come out firing at home. Uh, thirty eight ten, no sweat. Um, I don't think the Raiders are bad. I just think the the Bills really put their foot down and kind of said, "All right, week one was a little bit of a fluke. This is who we really are." Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're. I think they're back on track. Yeah. Uh, already went over the Ravens Bengals a little bit. Uh, talk just talked about the Chiefs Jags. Talked about the Chargers Titans. Falcons Packers also went over. This the next game on the, the schedule: Seahawks Lions. Seahawks thirty-seven, Lions thirty-one. Final in OT. Me and you were both skeptical on on this whole Geno Smith. I guess you could say experiment or year two of the experiment. Geno Smith thirty-two of forty-one, three twenty-eight, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker also had two touchdowns on the ground. This this team looks like they're they're going to be in that upper middle of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, is it is it feasible to just say that? Geno Smith is a competent, above-average uh, NFL quarterback because he, he's done it for for over a year now. Uh, that was a big game. That was one that I really liked. Detroit, you know, you get suckered into it coming off the win over the Chiefs. Uh, that was a fun game, maybe maybe one of the best of the week. So 
Um, and I always find myself rooting for, for Geno Smith for some reason. I, I don't know about you. It's just, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. If I have, if I have a Seahawks game on, I just find myself wanting them to win for, uh, for Geno Smith. I know you're a big, you're a big Geno guy. I knew that for your, uh, West Virginia ties, correct? Yep. Yeah. Knew it. Um, but, and then as for the lions, you know, uh, I think they're again another. These teams are very, very comparable in terms of talent, and I guess where they are in their trajectory of their franchises right now. They're again both of these teams are in like that upper middle uh, echelon of the NFL. Um, Lions big injury; they lose David Montgomery for a couple weeks. Um, but you know everything else. I'm on Raw six for one hundred two. Jared Goff. Uh, did he break that streak that he was going for most consecutive passes without an interception or did he not? He had an interception in this game. I don't know if it came. I think, it, I think he was very, was like a couple passes short of breaking the all-time record. Did you see yeah, that? I don't mean he, he didn't, I don't think he did get to it, but I think he, yeah. I think that lands him in third, right? Was it, what was it Rogers breeze or Rogers Brady? And then this was the third longest. Uh... Yeah. Not, not sure off the top of my head, but still, still impressive nonetheless. And, you know, again, speaking, getting back to the Jets, you'd love the Jet quarterback to be in that conversation, but unfortunately, too busy doing the opposite. Yeah, too busy doing the opposite. Correct. It's a good way to put it. Might be the title of this podcast. Um, next game, the Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson injured early in this game. Gardner Minshew game beat the Texans thirty-one to twenty. Colts looked good. Anthony Anthony Richardson looked really good. Two rushing touchdowns in the first quarter. Gets a concussion on the second one, leaves the game, but I didn't really affect this Colts team. They were rolling. Yeah, and you know, not to not to keep bringing our Jets into it, but I mean, speaking of Gardner Minshew, that's not a guy that you could have brought over here for cheap, and maybe you wouldn't be in this situation right now. Just some competent quarterback play. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, a n- nice win for the Colts. You hate to see a rich go down, but that's what I call him. We're on a. Oh, you're on, you're on a a name to name, big got it. A rich got it. Um, CJ Shroud again, I I don't think he looks bad, but just going to be a tough year for the Texans. They don't even have their first pick. Um, uh, 30 for 47, 384 and two touchdowns. Um, you know, it's going to be a growing year for them. They have a very young team, uh, but, uh, we'll be remain to be seeing how they end up the next game. Again, this was one that I threw out as like, a perhaps the baddest beat of the entire NFL season. But I threw this one out as a potential underdog pick myself. Looked really good in that second quarter when the Rams outscored the 49ers 14-10. to Kind of made it a game. It was tied at half. Um, 49ers, though, come out on top, uh, 30-23. to They're a machine. Um, but, I, again, I just don't think the Rams are some to, a team to be slept on at all. No, they're a tough team. They and you know, not to mention they covered in this game. So, you know, you sniffing them out as an underdog, I, I think it's a good read. They're a tough team. They they don't lay down for anyone. And every week they get hit harder with the injury bug. And uh, I don't know, Stafford's going out there. Don't know how much time he has left. And he's just uh, he's still slinging it. So Yeah, he, and he, that kid, uh, what's his name? Puka Nakua. 15 catches for 147 yards. He's like yeah, he on 20 targets. Too, though, right? I, I don't know what the status on him, but yeah, unsure, unsure either, but he's unbelievable. 20 targets. Uh, I mean, he's literally filling in for Cooper Cup and just being Cooper Cup, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, again, I think this is another team, just like I said about the Seahawks and the and the Lions. They're going to be in that middle pack of of the NFL that they're going to be a tough out every week, but they're going to be around that eight, nine win range, maybe seven to nine, I'll, I'll say. 
Um, the next game, probably the most shocked, two of the more shocking uh, records in the league, the Sam Howell-led Washington Commanders, 2-0, and take down the 0-2 Denver Broncos in Denver, 35 to 33. This was a shootout. Yeah, I just want to um, pat myself on the back because I gave that underpick, uh, that underdog pick of the Ravens. And then I said, by the way, if I wasn't taking this one, give me the commanders on the road. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm shocked the Broncos are 0 2. I guess I'm a little surprised um, that a guy, uh, you know, as as decorated as Sean Payton hasn't really seemed to make much of a difference with the offense yet. I just think that's what you're still waiting on with Denver. Is it just a Russell Wilson issue? I really don't know. Uh, That Hail Mary pass at the end of the game that didn't make it into the end zone, but somehow got tipped back. uh, Yeah, it was crazy. Set the Broncos up for a two-point try. They miss it. Uh, That was another big game, but, you know, between two, maybe whatever teams, but I mean, you know, good on the commanders for winning the games on their schedule with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and uh, just for for the sake of uh, the commanders, and you know, the looking at the the landscape of the of young quarterbacks, I, I kind of like what I see out of out of Howell. He's he's completing passes. You know, first game against again against the Cardinals, a little bit different. Nineteen to thirty one for two hundred two and a touchdown. Bad interception in that game, but you know he's playing behind a, a not a good offensive line either. He's been sacked ten times in the last two games, but you know they're putting up points putting up 55 points in two weeks with, you know, first two starts in the NFL. That's he's got to get some confidence under him for sure. There. Um, I, I like what I see out of him. They definitely have some weapons over there. Brian Robinson continues to be uh, a great story, obviously re- re- recovering from what was it? Five gunshot wounds or something in his leg last year to now being a, a prominent figure in a, in a, in a good offense right now. Uh, cool story there. I, I kind of like to root for the commanders. You know, new ownership, new quarterback. I kind of have no ties to, I guess, the Giants, but I, I'm I'm rooting for the Commanders. I really am. I think they're they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, the next game, this was the Sunday night game. The Dolphins beat the Patriots 24-17, and I think, uh, please disagree with me if you if you disagree, but this game was not as close as it seemed. I feel I felt like the the Dolphins were just in total control this game from the beginning of it. And then the Patriots kind of had a the little last whim there at the end, but I think that's what Belichick will do. Belichick will keep you in games, but you know, this team, this Patriot team falls to 0-2. We'll talk about that more in the preview, but what did you think of, of this game? And, and I guess in terms of the AFC East. Well, I, I do agree with you mostly that, you know, this didn't feel like a one-score game for the most part, but I think you have to look at New England and just kind of, you know, appreciate the things that they do. And, you know, I don't want to break down next week yet, but, you know, we're talking about holding Tyreek Hill to, to 40 yards through the air. That that just kind of seems unheard of. You yeah. figure Garrett Wilson's going to get the same treatment, and the Jets' offense is not as loaded as this Miami offense. So you're right. I, I suppose it wasn't as close as perhaps the score says. But, I mean, you know, this is a Dolphins team that looked like they, they were just going to score 50 at will. And, um, you know, I, I think they kind of, you know, they, they, they were able to – what's the word I'm looking for? Limit them? Make them, uh, so make, them, make them go to a different option? Yeah, let's just go with limit them today. Okay. <laughs> too, don't want to work our brains too hard. But, yeah, yeah I, I, think I, I think I agree that – but what is, what is Belichick and the Patriots – what is their whole th- – what have they 
been known for. They're they're known for not allowing your best guy to beat us. And I think that's you know if if a team does have that second option like like a Jalen Waddle or you know you can say that Tyreek Hill got limited ends with five catches, forty yards, and a touchdown. But you look at Raheem Mostert, who just ran it down the Patriots' throat. 18 carries, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. He's been a stud for the Dolphins. Um, Tua didn't even play that good of a game, and and I still feel that the Dolphins were in good control this game. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to be real, or they are a real team. They'll be there uh, in the competitive end of this uh, NFL season. Um, let's move over to the, the two Monday night games we had. Two actually pretty decent games here. The Saints uh, beat the Panthers 20-17. Again, another game that was definitely not as close as I think the score indicated. Uh, Saints were in much control of this game for most of it. Uh, the Panthers couldn't really get much going at all with, with Bryce Young. Uh, they're, they're a very, very sketchy team. Bryce Young finishes 22 for 33, 153 yards and a touchdown, sacked four times. He had one long rush at the end of the game that kind of made his stat line look a little look a little better and put them in a better position. But uh, this this Panthers team is going to be rough. And for the Saints team, uh, I mean, Derek Carr, you look on the stats, he, di- he didn't play that well, didn't have, a, didn't have a single touchdown pass, threw an interception, but got the job done. Yeah, I think the Saints are, are, are a bit of a fluky uh, 2-0. and I just – I think they thought they were going into the season and were going to be better than they are. And I, you know, it sounds funny saying that they're two and zero, but I, I, you know, I think that they figured, you know, we're going to pair Derek Carr up with, you know, Olave and Michael Thomas. If Michael Thomas is healthy, that sounds dangerous. And I don't know. I, I just I feel like there's still a maybe an average to below average team. I don't think they they sniff the playoffs, but in that division, they, who knows? So. Yeah, and they're they're I wouldn't say they're they're at the level of the like I said like with the Seahawks and the uh, Lions in the upper upper middle of the NFL, but no. I'd say they're more towards the middle lower middle of the NFL because you know Derek Carr is known for having he's good for one just game where you know he upsets a team and has a crazy game, and then the next week he'll throw three picks and look like he, uh, a non competitive quarterback. Um, kind of I feel like a reason why the Jets might have gone for Rodgers and not him or maybe not have pursued him as hard as they would have but conversation for another day um and then the next as you're going into this last game yeah talk about it by your lonesome for about 30 seconds while I um use the restroom okay I hope that the show doesn't fall apart while I'm gone I'll try my best to keep it together but Steelers beat the Browns 26-22 uh and you know, a couple of things on this game. The Steelers go into this game again. Mike Tomlin at home, uh, a divisional game at home. Uh, it's it's always a good bet in my mind. The as far as the offense, nothing really, nothing really impressive here. I mean, Kenny Pickett, fifteen of thirty touchdown and an interception, only two hundred twenty two yards. Nothing really on the rushing side. Najee Harris, ten for forty three. Uh, Jalen Warren, six for twenty. Although he had a, a decent game as far as receiving. They get a long touchdown in George Pickens, who fills in for an in- injured Deontay Johnson. Uh, four for 127 and a touchdown for Pickens. Jalen Warren, like I mentioned, four for 66 uh, receiving there. Tough offense here, tough moving the ball, but this defense was unbelievable. They The the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, I believe they had two, two touchdowns, uh, two defensive touchdowns, rather, and they were not only – 
not only a force and made this this offense for the Browns look look rough, but they they first play the game, they get a pick six, and then the in the fourth quarter with about seven minutes left. T.J. Watt gets a fumble return for a touchdown that kind of sealed the game right there. Although the, the big story of this game, Nick Chubb with an absolutely gruesome injury uh, to his leg. And you don't want to see it. Wishing the best for him. Uh, you know, if you've seen it, you've seen it. I'm not going to tell anyone to go see it because it's just a gross injury. Uh, I believe it's the same leg he actually injured when he was in college. Um, Jerome Ford takes over uh, 16 for 106 on the ground, but Deshaun Watson looked rough. Amari Cooper was questionable going into this game. He goes seven for 90, actually played a a pretty good game there. Uh, Deshaun Watson took six sacks, 22 of 40 for 235 yards, touchdown and interception there. There are two fumbles also as well. Two fumbles lost for Deshaun Watson. It was an ugly game for the Browns that, you know, week one, Browns find themselves one and one, but week one, they blow out the Bengals. And, you know, before anyone really kind of, could surmise that Joe Burrow was, you know, not a hundred percent. That looked like an impressive win. Now the Bengals, not that much of an impressive win as they're now. zero and two. And now the Browns are one and one They're they're It's a rough spot for the Browns. Now they lose their best offensive weapon. They signed uh, Kareem hunt today back to the team. And, you know, they're, they're going to be in that. I feel like they're in a very similar spot to, what I was just mentioning before, they're in that middle ground of the AFC where the, again, like I said, they beat the Bengals. They maybe a team that I feel like both these teams are actually in that the same kind of uh, area in terms of power ranking. I say where Steelers, they'll win some games, but again, another development year there, they're going to, it's going to be tough to see Kenny Pickett really ascend to be an elite quarterback per se in this league. But uh, yeah, Kenny Pickett uh, and Deshaun Watson, both, you know, middle of the road guys that are going to lean on their more so their defenses. Both of these defenses are really good. Um, I think the Steelers defense at home is always, uh, like I said, always a good bet. Um, uh, the Steelers I had mentioned as another team that, you know, I, I kind of liked pick wise. Um, I, I don't really know the final line of this game. I want to say it was like Cleveland was a favorite by like one or two. So obviously the, the, the Steelers cover, yeah, the but Steelers covered plus two and a half, two and a half was the final line. Okay. So, uh, I, I like the Steelers there. I should have, you know, looking back in it, obviously Monday morning quarterback or I guess Wednesday afternoon quarterback, we should say uh, Steelers look like a good pick, but um, on to week three, we are any other, any other comments you had on, on the week two slate before we get on out of here? No, uh, I think that that Brown Steelers game was just a very classic uh, AFC North kind of primetime game, you know, 26 to 22, uh, a horrific injury to Nick Chubb, which you touched on. I just feel like I'm I'm ready to say I was wrong about Cleveland. I, I mean, coming into this year, I figured with a full off season under his belt, you'd get the uh, at least a fraction of Houston Deshaun Watson. I, I just might want to. It might be one of those unexplainable things in sports where it's just not there anymore. I mean, you you see him kind of, you know, dancing around the pocket. He can't reach that same mobility that he used to. He, he's just he's not the same player. You're starting to see frustration after sacks because um, I just don't think he's he's the same athlete that he was. And and I don't know why um, he hadn't played for about a year and a half, but I, I just think he might have lost his swagger a little bit. And like you said, now they lose their best offensive weapon. Um, you know, I was coming into the season saying Cleveland's really going to turn it around. They're going to be a threat to win that division. 
And um, yeah, it doesn't look like that. And and just as a quick side note, uh, Mr. I never get the ball, Elijah Moore uh, was targeted nine times, only hauling in three of them. Jet legend, Elijah Moore. Don't, don't forget that part. Yeah. But uh, yep. So I thought it was an interesting week one, week two slate. Uh, real quick, just looking forward to week three. There's a lot of heavy favorites in week three. Uh, a lot of points being laid. A lot of lopsided matchups. Um, again, still early in the season, so uh, tough to really gauge who the 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 true power teams are and who the the true uh, you know rollover teams are. But kind of starting to get a little bit more of a clear vision there. Um, we'll be back uh, again either Friday evening that it'll be out or Saturday morning, Saturday evening for our uh, Jets preview. And I guess we'll have a giant, a little bit of a giant recap as well by by that time. So uh, stay tuned can, can for I, that. Can I drop one more story on here before we? Uh... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So uh, just a quick one here and, you know, back into the episode. Not sure anybody listens this far anyway, but uh, a pretty big report. I think Shohei Otani's, uh impending free agency was probably the biggest uh, storyline of the baseball season. And we find ourselves now two weeks after, you know, he mysteriously cleared out his locker. We didn't know why it turns out he undergoes elbow surgery and in the 2024 season will not pitch hopes to resume doing both in 2025, according to his agent. Yep. So yeah, definitely will be something to monitor. Um, and you know, we we've spoken on in the past about his again, like you said, probably the biggest free agent, probably the biggest free agent of our lifetime thus far. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how a how that affects him, how that affects his market, if it affects his market. Um, but again, we'll uh we'll we'll get into baseball when when stuff starts to slow down here because. <laughs> Not for nothing, we might have a, a long NFL season as far as locals are concerned. So there might be a lot of room to talk about stuff like that uh, within the next month or two. So uh, stay tuned for all that. Um, we'll have you covered on on all that, all things Yankees, Mets, offseason as the MLB season begins to trickle down. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. Follow us on all our socials and peace out.